Hello, welcome to the Outliers, where we watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> that hurt to say. Alright. Yep. Uh, I'm your faithful co-host in pain who uh like might have undercooked his burger, uh yet burnt it. So I think it's actually more though from my I'm lactose intolerant and I had a bad reaction to some milk. So but anyway, I, I'm currently suffering in the name of the pod. Tyler, how about you? You want to introduce yourself? I'm not suffering to the same extent, but we watched the same movies, so <laughs> I'm a, I'm as good as I can be after that experience. Dear Lord, what a time. Do you want to explain what we did since I kind of blame you a little bit for this? Yeah. I mean, there's blame for us to share, but like. So in in our, I think it was our vibe episode. It was a good, having a good time, joking around, brought up the nostalgia critic. And, and we were just like, let's watch the movies for we hit our sponsor goal. And uh, we're, we're men of our word, uh, which is a fatal flaw in this instance. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we could have just forgotten about it. Yeah, it would have been really nice if we just fucking moved on. Right. But uh we're men of our word. And we sat there, watched Kick Asia, and stopped in the middle of server nights because it was too much to handle, and then went our separate ways and watched it, watched the rest of them in chunks. <laughs> yeah. Too much for one sitting. So I feel like we need to explain some lore of who the fuck Doug Walker is before we get into the the meat of this subject. Yes. So, Tyler, what do you know about one nostalgia critic? Uh, I know that I was a huge fan of his content once upon a time when I was a high school-aged lad. Yeah. Um, And I think this is a story similar to a lot of people, and especially people who are in, in uh, film spheres where, um, you know, they're getting into movies. They come across this guy who reviews movies and he makes funny jokes sometimes and like, oh, that guy seems awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was a huge fan of the angry video game nerd at the time, too. And of course, he does video games as per the name. So once I heard it was a movie guy doing a very similar thing, instantly appealing so i started watching this this content i liked this content once upon a time and uh essentially his he's he's a movie reviewer on youtube or he, he has his own uh website too called channel awesome and uh you know when within his youtube reviews he'll make a bunch of skits or joke in the middle of the reviews and uh, yell really loudly and has a lot of characters. And it's, it all doesn't make sense unless you know what I'm talking about. Unless you've seen the videos, you would, it, it's hard to explain. Uh, but- no, no, it's dumber than that. Cause it doesn't even make sense as somebody, I also watch this content. It doesn't even make all that much sense. 
Um, so like some deeper lore, Doug Walker was just a dude from Chicago, reviewed movies in the early days of the internet back before YouTube even, mm-hmm. which many of the people who will appear in this movie who are problematic in one way or another or self-indulgent um, would begin. And they were kind of the early pioneers of taking advantage of the internet and content creation and eventually figured out how to make money off of this. He hosted at, on first on that guy with glasses, then eventually channel awesome. Um, and he would create a huge community of fellow reviewers, all with their special uh, specific niches, you know, angry Joe joined. Yes. Okay. No, your angry Joe is like his whole thing. He's angry and he plays video games. Uh, a friend of mine once described him as the poor man's angry video game nerd. Yeah. I which mean, was kind of funny. It, it, on the surface, they sound very similar, but their content creation styles are super different. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah. There was I, just there was Todd in the shadows who joined later, who was a music reviewer. Um, and then even later, and then you also had, uh, I think his name was, uh, these are just the people I watched like Phineas, Phineas or whatever his name was. Yeah. Who was a horror movie reviewer. And I kind of liked like, Oh yeah, that was cool at the time. But Doug Walker was at the center of it all. And like made these reviews with his brother, Rob Walker, eventually would get his whole family involved. So, you know, eventually the nostalgia critic grows in this thing and they decide to make a movie called Kick Asia, which so, it, it exists as the two year anniversary, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was the to celebrate. I think each of these celebrates an anniversary and the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, it was the second anniversary, I think, of Channel Awesome. Mm-hmm. And. um. It was it, it was released in 2010. Has a two-star rating. Oh. Is not rated by Ron Tomatoes and has a very forgiving five out of ten rating on IMDb. Yeah. Well, but I don't I don't believe any of <laughs> I believe I don't know if any of those reviews have been checked since it came out because you know at the time seems like a novel idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different landscape in 2010. I found this stuff funny. <laughs> right. So Doug Walker and Nostalgia Craig, in my opinion, exist in the same types of circles as people who know way too much about things. Other internet oddities like, you know, Wings of Redemption or Dark Side Phil or, you know, if you get even darker down the rabbit hole, uh, Chris Chan. Ugh. And in modern context, the nostalgia credit doesn't mean a lot. I think in film circles, because we're in film circles, he comes up because I think there are quite a few people. But the, I think there's something I want to bring up now so we can talk about it as we go on is for a guy who claims to love films and review films, um, he's the worst filmmaker I've ever seen. Right. And at first, I'm thinking it's the excuse of cheap budgets. But as we find out, even with better stuff and equipment, he still is just the worst filmmaker ever. Yeah, because uh, within these three movies, you can tell like the pro- production value goes up. 
but the except concept, in suburban nights i mean suburban nights they at least got better cameras i don't know what happened with their sound equipment god no, yeah so trash. yeah i mean we'll have to go into the not so awesome documents yeah um, um i have up on my computer it's a 70 page document uh if you if you if you're unfamiliar, it is a 70-page document created by former members um, of Channel Awesome and that guy with the glasses detailing the things that went on during their time at the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. As the name implies, it's not so awesome. Um, there's lots of stories of neglect, abuse. But we also get a little bit of insight into the productions of these films and how completely unprofessional and uh, nightmarish it really was. Yeah. So let's uh, get into Kickassy. So Tyler, uh, Kickassy opens with Doug Walker dressed as his character, the nostalgia critic, in the character of the nostalgia critic. Uh, approaching the Kingdom of Malassia or the Republic of Malassia, a micronation existing in Nevada. Yep. Anyway, and he's letting this guy know that he's going to invade. He's like, hey, uh, by the way, uh, I'm going to invade you and I have an army of people and we're just going to roll up. Uh, so get ready for that. Uh, it's. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that one scene, I'm, I, I, you know what, I kind of appreciate it because I'm like, it, it, it's, it's not great, it's not that funny, but it sets it up. Well yeah, and I don't. I like, how- the, I like the, um, I like the casual style that he's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come. And like me. of everybody in this movie, I respect the King of Malassia the most, or right. President of Malassia. Sorry, uh, sorry, Mister President, I did not mean to uh, mislabel you there. But the uh, president of Malassia, I think, is truly like from what I've read about him, has his like own little thing and kind of like acknowledges it's a little silly. But like, you know what? He's done something with it and has made it made a way to make money off of it. Yeah. So. I like his character. I like and you know what? I He was like, I, I get the idea. Like, I wasn't expecting a great performance out of him, so I will give him a pass because he like pretty much runs a little tiny uh his like little tiny like attraction in uh, nevada and you know what seems pretty cool so yeah then you know so i forget what happens but doug walks away i literally am having trouble remembering this movie so we, we saw we, not hold even on trailer. yeah we have to acknowledge our little intro credits scene with oh my god i fucking forgot about this yes the (laughs) dramatic music playing way too loudly over images of the civil war (laughs) they just put a bunch of civil war it was like the ridiculously stupid long introduction too yeah it's just like we have to make sure all these creators have their names in this credits uh what are we going to put in our credits i don't know i guess the civil war (laughs) it makes zero sense Mm -hmm. and we couldn't we could not believe it upon (laughs) when we first saw it it's it it, i i I look into the painting like wait a minute is that is, is that a confederate battle flag and it becomes very clear, yeah. like, 
Wait, wait, what? This is the Civil yeah, War. Yeah, like, they couldn't even have taken, like, you know what? It would have been kind of funny if they'd taken the cheap effort of, like, imposing a Molassia flag and a Kickassia flag onto the, uh... Right. Like, you know, onto the little pictures. And that's not hard to do. We could do that in Photoshop if we wanted to and then put that in our movies. But, right. yeah, anyway. So, now moving on... Yeah, so that was the intro. Um, I, like I don't know how we move on from here. So like, so what ha- what happens after this? He just like, he he said he has an army, but then he didn't like assemble his army until after he said he has an army. So then he just starts calling everybody. In yeah, and I recognized way too long. Yeah, and like I think I recognized Spoonie, Linkara, and that, and like the nostalgia chick yeah and um, it goes on and he assembles that then like they're like oh, oh what's the time it's th- it's 323 um, the the i think the this the fatal flaw with all of these movies is there's way too many people in them and in every single scene that has all everybody in there everybody has to have a line <laughs> mm-hmm. so he has a scene where he's calling everybody mm-hmm. uh and he calls like a shit ton of different people and it goes on forever because of how many people he has to call. And then he cuts back to different people. Like, was it film brain? Who's just like, he's nostalgic. He texts him like, it's time. And he's just like, Oh, it's three twenty-two. And then it comes, <laughs> and it cuts back to him like, Oh, now it's two, three twenty-three. And then it, it's such a cluster. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely a. Uh, oh God, I don't even know how to go on about it. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. I don't know. It's it's like this. It's everything about this movie like is teeth gritting, um, and you know it's one of those things that like I you just don't believe it exists. And I'm so I came across something funny, and I'm now kind of noticing something that. Oh yeah. Okay, so they do give it credit, but I was like, I went on the Molassia website and they do acknowledge Kickassia, but they kind of bury it in like acknowledging people who have used our stuff, like not in alphabetical or order. They just bury it because I would be embarrassed to be part of this movie. But like like I said, um the like least offensive person in this movie is the fucking Molassia. And sure I'm somebody's gonna tell me something awful about him afterwards but as of right now i'm assuming he is a decent person i, I so, have nothing to say about that guy yeah uh however there's a lot of people in this movie that we <laughs> i do have things to say about uh, so do you I'm want to introduce to everybody to a few of these characters are uh okay so i i i, I want i i I watched all three of these movies and I still don't know who a lot of these people are. I have the IMDb up just to kind of get names at okay. least. So we have um in the first one we have Angry Joe whose whole shtick is that he loves guns. Yeah, and he's angry, he's loud, and he's obnoxious. Nobody else has that characteristic at all. Um and then there's uh Lincara who 
I don't really know what his character did. <laughs> yeah, he he basically like kind of is just like he and like in real life he's the comic re- book reviewer and he was I think was he the one obsessed with stealth the entire time the element of surprise. He was the general. At yeah. The end. yeah. Yeah. He 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 came up with the with the war strategy, and then uh, he's just like then he whips out the game of risk. Yeah. And, you Noah Ant Willer this this as the me, Spoonie one. Uh, Spoonie in this movie is weird. He's yeah. weird in all of them. And then there's Lindsay Ellis, who's the only person that, like, I know from this to have, like, a career that survived outside of this weird bubble of creators. She's doing really well for herself, from what I can tell. And yeah, I, she... and I, like, I do enjoy her content. Yeah, I mean, she's a very smart person. I, uh, quite honestly, I'm going to make a bold statement that, like, when I heard... I've heard rumors that there is often tension between, like, her and Doug Walker because, like, she generally knew more about this shit. Yeah, and that's that's definitely uh, and that kind of thing comes up, um, mm-hmm. in the doc. Yeah, I'm gonna let you talk about the doc, doc because it, it's more. But I'm just like looking at like Lindsay Ellis's like YouTube page, and like she's making stuff about like relevant stuff and t- and tying it into like pop culture and politics, which you know, nothing news, but nothing new, but like is somewhat uh you know relevant and kind of and clever to do versus i bet you if i go to channel awesome it's going to be nothing relevant to anything out today and if it is it will be kind of too late and it's just going to be uh yeah no i just went and uh they're talking about x-men dark phoenix yes um i i watched the dark phoenix review because i'm like what is this like today no, I didn't want to watch it. I wa I, I watched too much of his content. I think the last thing I watched from him was the wall, which is like the <laughs> fucking I don't know. Like I don't I can't come up. It's the I've never seen somebody hate music and so much and then say, Oh, I actually love it. And also like fucking Corey Taylor, lead singer slip slipknot, a fairly respected musician, is in it. Which makes me wonder, what the fuck does Doug Walker have on him? Yeah, and you know what? You know what Doug does with Corey Taylor? He has this incredible musician uh, on his show. You know what he makes him do? Play the fucking SpongeBob <laughs> song. Yeah, I, let's. You know, I'm not saying that we're better than Doug Walker, but I am. We have a musician on. We haven't played some of his music catalog. And like, tell us about the history of country music. He does it and wants to do, oh, what's there? Something chilly there. Fuck you. Uh, Anyway. um, Yeah. So then there was Bennett White, Bennett the Sage, who I do not fucking know who. I I can't put a name to that face. Justin Carmichael, Jew Wario, which I feel offensive saying that. Like, it feels like. Jew Wario is a very uh, controversial figure. Brad Jones as the cinema snob who I'm going to Google this real, but let's take a look at what he reviews the cinema snob. But um, yeah, Brad Jones is the highbrow critic style reviewing the weirdest exploitation and what the fuck Hollywood moments. So yeah, he's made his career reviewing essentially exploitation films. And I think at points he's even like reviewed porn. So 
cool or things that so yeah like these are the highbrow comedy we're getting here um mickey paradise as 8-bit mickey who don't remember that? I, I think like she was literally like that throwaway oh, she's the guy. One in, she was trapped in the NES game. Yeah, Matthew Buck as Film Brain. Uh, Lee Davidge as two D as two D Lee. I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's the guy who uh, turns three dimensional halfway through the movie. Oh, that they like that joke was so That's funny. That's his only joke. As yeah, as you stated earlier, we got Joe Vargas playing Angry Joe. Who's I think the only other person still part of Channel Awesome from this? Uh, I don't I don't think he's part of Channel Awesome anymore, but he's yeah. still making his same old content. Benjamin Daniel as Benze, oh, Benze and Barry. I'm, oh, that's the, the French the French one, yeah. the French one with the little stuffed bear. <laughs> Jason Pauler as Lord Cat, Thomas Hanley as Handsome Tom, Paul mm-hmm. Schuller as Paul, Chris Lores as. Rolo T and Kaylin Sisato as Mars Girl. I, like, I don't know who most of these people are. I had to read this off of the fucking IMDb page, which I'm amazed exists. You know, this is this is the first, like, since this is the first one, this seems like the most uh good faith of the bunch. It's but so, that's the thing, not even this one was. This is yeah, it's still the best of all of them. Uh it was the shortest. It felt like it felt like we spent three hours watching it. Yes. Uh or we, we kept like hitting like the pause button and being amazed at how much how little time has passed. I think there was a point where it's like you paused and I'm like, God, we must be a few hours in. You were like, we're half hour in. Yeah. <laughs> um the pacing is absolutely wild. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they go to uh, Storm Molassia with no plan. And uh, <laughs> the best scene of the movie, the only scene that like I got genuine laugh out of me was when we found out that the president of Molassia is strapped. <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. Because uh, um, they had this like goofy ass uh, suit up montage and it was really it was really cringe and then they all just like charge at his house screaming like fucking mad people and then all of a sudden this dude's got a machine gun yeah it, which it, I, i'm pretty sure was like one of the two gun props they had throughout the entire movie yeah i think so yeah. Uh, oh, I did forget somebody because the IMDb, uh, Kevin Bay, pres- his excellent president of, uh, you know, Malaysia, um, which also, if uh, Kevin Bay, your excellency, uh, let, we're not to make fun of you in any way whatsoever, but our genuine curiosity, we'd love to have you on this podcast because honestly, what you do interests me to an extreme degree. So, seriously like i uh we want you on the cast now yeah moving back to talking about this dreaded movie yeah so that was like the one part that made me fucking laugh was him being fucking strapped it was, um, it was like a couple like small things yeah a genuine reaction out of me but they're so they're so few and and don't worry if anything was funny then it wasn't funny later Right. Because they would beat that joke into the ground. 
that's that's one of the biggest problems is like anything every single joke goes on forever it doesn't stop and it makes it it makes every like um like the press scene they finally take over uh Malassia and create the nation of Kickassia and they have this reporter who's like asking everybody for their thoughts and that's like it, it feels like it goes on for 10 minutes I don't know how long it actually goes on I didn't check but it feels like it goes on forever because he has to ask everybody. Yeah, he interviews every single. We person. also forgot, like when they compare themselves to the Nazis. Yes, that did happen. Yeah, it's just which still yeah. kind of feels like a not great joke. No, it's just I, I remember, all I remember. The audio is shit, so I was having trouble hearing it. So I know Doug was going on a rant, and he's just like, "Are you a Nazi, Linkara?" <laughs> yeah, like, and then they go on like to compare the Nazis like invading as like a good thing. I, I, I it, that's like how I read it. Which like, I don't really remember that part very well. I, I don't know about you. I took a little offense to that. I mean, if that's what it was, then that I would too. I just like, yeah. I mean, he's it, just like the so Nazis hard. are bad and they were crazy, but then said we're crazy, so I guess we're like them. So, but we're good, which just yeah. came off incredibly poor taste to me. Yeah, the so, whole movie is okay. like once once we get past like the invasion. The entire movie is just dug with, and I—I I think guy. I said this to you after the invasion. Like you could have done like ten more minutes and like had a fun little forty-minute short film. And right. I would, you know, it was you spent like three days filming. It's fun. You're done. Great. Right. Like it seems like, despite like some incompetency and unprofessionalism, uh, on set. It seems like they had a good time shooting. Um, it just <laughs> did not need to be this long because the, the the next hour of the film is like Doug being mad with power and then just everyone getting pissed off at him because he's mad with power and it goes on forever. Yeah. And don't worry, the what felt like an hour-long montage news update after they invaded Malaysia was great. Which, you know, we got some of our great shows like, oh, the one guy's tall, so we made him our flagpole. Um, yeah. The French guy is our, like, foreign relationships, and we made a French joke. And his stuffed seal helps him with that because the stuffed seal was a like main character this i'm glad they dropped that bit in the last two movies i think i would have put my fist through the wall um now everything else about those last two movies i'm trying to remember what was like the one funny joke that we thought was actually semi-funny from like doug walker it wasn't funny enough for me to remember it yeah that's the thing like i think the worst part about this movie was kind of boring yeah so like (laughs) It's it's kind of like I I I can see the value in it. And it's just like oh this is this is fun. This is nostalgic. I remember back in 2010 when I 
and this was funny. I can't imagine watching it again, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like totally, it's, it's, it's not totally offensive. Like it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's not, it's awful. It's dog shit, but like, yeah, it's, it's rather innocent. <laughs> also, there's like two women in this movie. Yeah, this is a very white movie too. Like there were, I didn't think there was a single diverse person in this movie. Like I just like can't stop but think about that. Yeah, <laughs> and the representation kind of just gets worse from there. Yeah, um, we can talk about that more in the movie. Oh wait, uh, no, Matias in this first movie too. Is he? Uh, oh yeah, he God, is. he. I forgot. He has he that once. He has that one scene with yeah. Doug, I think. Which I, who is that thing. guy? Like, I don't get the Mattia thing. Is it like just a reference to Captain Ma- Planet? Mattia is, he- is a character. He is a character from Captain Planet, and he appeared in one of Doug's. He, I think Doug reviewed Captain Planet, and he appeared in the review. So Mattia in the movies exists as a reference to Doug's Captain Planet review, but they made him like a really important character in the second movie and the third movie. And this whole character only exists as a reference to not like an original property or anything, just a review. So if you, if you didn't watch the captain planet review, you don't know who Mati is. (laughs) So this movie has the expectation that you've seen like everybody's content and you know who all these people are and what everything that they've done. Because I feel like there's so many inside jokes and everything that I just don't get. Because I like I didn't watch, like say like Spoonie's content. I don't know, is Doctor Insano something from Spoonie's? I, I assume so. The amount they lean on him, not just in this movie, but in the last movie too. Um, Santa Christ was in this movie, which yeah, is I know I know Santa Christ. Yeah. I, I've watched enough. I, I've watched enough. Uh, of Doug's videos encounter Santa Christ. The Santa Christ scene is <laughs> I like the Santa Christ scene actually for, for a bit. Then it goes on forever. Again. Like every everything that like could be funny is dragged out. Oh, I'm I was wrong about 8 bit Mickey. 8 bit Mickey's the short guy. Oh, okay. He was Peter Pan in the second movie. I was wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. He's the yeah. one that he he Doug like says like oh he has erectile dysfunction and then he sends uh Mati on a goat porn quest. Yep. <laughs> what what the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> like speaking about yeah. this out loud is a surreal experience. You have roommates. Mm-hmm. And they heard you say that sentence. Yeah, they probably heard me talk about Mickey's goat porn. <laughs> you know it's moments like this where i do think i like kind of deserve to be in the pain i'm in right now also weirdly enough my stomach's getting better as we're like ranting about this which i can't tell yeah, sometimes like, you I'm just need to release it <laughs> i really think it was just like the anger building up inside me like i like we need to call snasa um anyway yeah i'm i was like looking at memorable quote, uh, quotes hoping something would like you know, this this like jog my mind of what was the other thing. I think it might have been the fucking gun. I think that was the only thing that made us laugh. Yeah, I, I I think the death like the death of Santa Christ I liked. 
And then he's just like, we believe in Santa Christ for like another five minutes. And then, oh my he, god, how long was that fucking scene? <laughs> when he, I, I kind of laughed when he didn't come back. Yeah, I just like dropped him off at the dumpster. How long was that scene though? Oh, like I, I gotta know because it, it felt like forever. It felt like it never ended. So, um, here, I, I did find I'm looking at the uh, many injuries were sustained over the course of the production. Notably, Jason Paulera twisted both ankles. Brad Jones sliced his finger open on Mel Insignia on the nostalgia critics hat and the cinematographer and cinematographer and camera operator Rob Ocker gashed his knee on the rock on the walk while filming in the charge. This movie's so cursed. Um, yeah. It's- and like bad. yeah and like this was pretty much written by like just like rob and doug which so which means like you know imagine being like fucking the dude who's film brain i forget his name matthew buck and having like pretend you worship your boss because right. like we could talk about the not so there's it's very brief but the not so what not so awesome reveals about like this movie because at first like glance this is uh like very innocent of like oh this is like um oh it's just a bunch of friends hanging out making a movie together in nevada it seems pretty cool pretty innocent right harmless the the thing is like um it's so unprofessional everything that happened um account from um this is an account from Lindsay ellis and i'm reading i'm gonna read it directly from the document Mm -hmm. um I was in my third semester at USC when the secondary second anniversary happened and the real moment of concern came to, came at the hotel in Reno on the set of Cacassia when Doug was explaining the schedule and I asked a logistical question, namely, what was his plan for craft ser- services? Doug actually laughed at me like I was some princess expecting special treatment. Noah Antweiler, who was also there, explained that craft services is generally given out out at any shoot even student films only then was this suggestion taken seriously yeah i mean how many like okay like let's pull back the veil of who we are we're both film students Mm -hmm. at the bare minimum you like order some fucking pizzas and bring some potato chips how many senior projects and films have we made where we've had the bare minimum crafts right right you have to provide food and water to your crew and cast that is not like an option. Um, yeah. And there might not be a rule that says you have to, but it's like one of those, uns- it's like, you know, it's why you don't take a shit in the middle of like the highway. No, nobody thought they would need to tell you. Right. Um, this was a set with more than 30 people and they did not have food or water until they were told to do so. Uh to be clear, inexperience was not the issue, arrogance was. Everyone who gets into film has a learning curve, but Doug and co. barged in like they had nothing to learn, and this resulted in a variety of issues, from not bothering to secure permits or even learn shooting location hours or to multiple injuries on set. Of yeah. Totally fully. So, and then here's the thing that like kind of revealed a lot for me is CA paid for travel, lodge, and meals when they were when they were uh, during filming hours 
Otherwise, we were on our own. They had to be told to have water on set. We were not paid for our time, nor did we make any revenue from the DVDs. So assuming everybody but like Rob, Doug Walker, and the owner of Channel Awesome made money on this. Yeah. Um, also, um, we the- were paid... Yeah, we were paid in exposure, a free trip with our friends. When we pointed out the exposure didn't mean anything after the first time, we were told we didn't have to go that to them. Mike in particular liked to say how great it was that they embedded, not hosted our videos and never asked for a cut of our revenue. Traffic on uh, that guy with glasses slash channel awesome generated by other producers gave them ad revenue. So it would be ridiculous to ask for a cut of the money on our videos. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, and then like the last thing, the only thing they asked us to sign contracts for, which covered such things as injury liability, the contracts also stated that any crossovers we filmed during the production would go to them to help recoup costs. So we were asked to work for our privilege to be there, which not only went into what little time we had between filming to rest, but into our work hours at home, editing them. And then, and the anniversaries themselves took time out of our normal work, meaning it also cost us money. That way we were allowed to keep commentary tracks we did for our videos, but those got very little views. What's what's insane to me about all this too is that like they're making reasonable requests and then they're trying to gaslight stuff that would be expected of us as right. and and I should state this was uh Allison Pregler uh Pregler uh known as Obscurus Lupa um one of the many people to come forward with all the horrible things Channel Austin was responsible for and like you know I think we're you know this isn't a relevant story anymore uh, for like obvious reasons but one of the things that the kind of like infuriated me about this is like me and you are film students. We're in our senior year of film. We're right. also master's students. Like me and you both just began our master's. Um, and we have been held to such a high standard that this guy doesn't believe he's held to. And I like I feel like I can't get over that. Right. Especially this guy who's made his entire career out of picking apart other movies and does this which i will get into my grievance with that particular when we get into the third movie yes the third movie is like i it's un like it's it's intolerable the third movie is the dog you shoot because you feel bad for the conditions it's living in yes but um there was more i wanted to say about kick ass at the movie i just can't like it's it's the least offensive out of all the three of them it's and, like you know and I, I really like if it wasn't for the not so awesome document you'd think oh this was just some friends having fun but like now yeah. knowing um, yeah it's it's just kind of cringe and that's all i can really say about it um we we pretty there, there really isn't much plot going on mm-hmm. the entire thing is just um Doug going on his power trip, then everybody wants to usurp him because he's an asshole. But which too, he's too clingy to his power. But everybody comes up with their own plan. He send he gets like cinema snob gets exiled, and then he comes back. Yeah. Wow. Which, um, by the way, look into the eyes of everybody in the in this movie while filming. 
at like once when like they're not realizing how in focus they are and it is hilarious right i mean like unless she's delivering a line the dead look in Lindsay ellis's eyes every time is kind of like hilarious in the sense you know she, like it's in the sense of like you know that pain yeah it's like a lot of you can tell when people aren't aware of when they're on camera or not mm-hmm. or like um their acting is just so it's it's so over the top for no reason there's a moment in a third movie where it really happens where i think uh it was either uh eight bit mickey or phalus was like in the middle of a room and you could just tell the look on his face was like fuck this guy so like right and, and from all accounts, the attitude definitely changes yeah. uh, throughout these films. And like to boldly flee, it seems like nobody wanted to be there. <laughs> Which, yeah, like we can get, you know, I think at that point it was like basically contract obligation was forcing people to be there. Yeah. Um, like I think everybody hated the, producing that movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we get to you know uh you know let's get to the next one suburban nights okay i also talk about the cursed set picture of uh rob walker in this fucking movie so they have what rob and doug walker on set in this movie and they did like you know every movie does this set picture right you get the picture of everybody on set you know what i'm talking about yeah so they have that and they and Rob Walker's and he's holding their camcorder, which is like cheaper than the camcorder I use. They have one camera. <laughs> it's a cam, it's like quite literally a camcorder, a camcorder with a mic on it. Yeah. So um, and like listen, they were not making a lot of money. So I will give them that. That's passable. I'm not gonna just like shit on them for that. Um but like it was, it was shit on a little bit. <laughs> they they do point out it was pretty hot in this desert in Nevada. And like a normal person, like completely normal person, Rob Walker's wearing like a trench coat and a boonie hat. Oh boy. <laughs> I've not seen this set photo, but I'm and sure. Like, listen, I'm as a guy who wears a trench coat, I like get it, but I do that when it's in the winter because it's cold and I want something to cover me. Not because I'm in the desert, but yeah. Um Oh yeah, and then of course Linkara impersonated Pat. Pat. That that was the one thing. It's like I like you know fucking Pat and being impersonated in this movie. Like, I like that. I, I I also really liked the the five minute break that we took from with board James to explain the rules of risk during that sequence. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. But it's kind of laughable because, like, I, I cannot believe that there was actually a decision made. And like, you know, it'd be really like let's let's get a board James cameo. You know, it would be good for him to just like straightforward explain rules of a board. Do you know what was like my only thought during that scene is how much more fun it would be if we were playing Risk at that moment. Yeah, I was like, man, we could just be playing actual Risk, and then we wouldn't have to be watching these movies and probably having a good time playing a good game. Yeah, which we should probably maybe, like we should maybe do that as a stream thing. But uh, anyway, back to that. Um, yeah, you know, and like it's like you know, I just like couldn't help but think like George C. Scott, who famously played Patton, was spinning in his grave when he when that like when they did that in my mind. Like that's all I could think is like George C. Scott portrayed Pat Patton, and then like in like the greatest depiction of like a military general psychopath. 
I don't know. I think I think Linkara did it better. <laughs> anyway, so uh, join us next time when I punch Tyler and live stream it for saying <laughs> something. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to uh, past me threatening my co-host. Um, Suburban Nights. I texted you earlier that this movie is the bane of my existence. I, did you make it through all three of them? I I got I got the. Uh, most of i didn't get i didn't finish to boldly flee i didn't either so like i could I, there was a point where i was just like okay i'm gonna skip to the end i think uh, it was after the implied rape joke that got me um so yeah there's there's a lot of history behind that joke specifically <laughs> we'll get yeah. to that. well but, and then you know we could talk about the history of like jokes around one person in this movie and their history yeah so this movie has much of the same cast except i think they got like a whole two more women this time i think yeah we have women now would you look at that there's two of them and they're all um just their whole thing is just the they're women <laughs> yeah <laughs> they really have um, other character traits no no but um, they they also are all obsessed with the sock they stuffed down juario's pants because he plays david bowie Oh, and that has new layers of creepness. Yep. So now, let's, now that we know what uh, happened to Ju Wario. Yeah. Yeah. A guy with a history, to say the least. Um, let's start by talking about the opening of this movie, where like we're introduced to Malachi, who's just a dude in a leather trench coat and a fedora and sunglasses. Yeah. And he gets um, in the car with this. With this dude in the most pointless scene ever, and then just murks that dude. <laughs> I like the scene. I thought that that's that was kind of funny, where you just yeah. see blood spatter. Now, on the can we point uh, point out the audio in this movie is obviously recorded through your the speaker of your dad's old pickup truck that has like been like out in the rain with the windows open, so it's just <laughs> so the entire time it is the worst audio I've ever heard in but, a movie in my life. On top of the audio quality being bad, the mixing is awful too. Because it's like the the quality is shit. But then they like added music, and then the music is too is louder. But I remember you audience. when we started watching it at your place. You kept having to get up, which is the main reason I was like, "Fuck it, I can't do this." Like, if we're gonna have to get up and change the volume every time they do stupid shit, right? I I, I had to ch- get up. Like I don't have a TV remote for my TV. I know it's crazy, but like I don't. So Listen, to, we're not doing well. We're podcasters. You should you, yeah. you should all know this. <laughs> I had to stand up and and adjust the volume every like couple of minutes because like sometimes the talking is too loud. But then when they start playing music over the talking, I can't hear the people anymore because the music's so fucking loud. So I have to go change the volume again. And uh, the version of of it. Well, I'll be back in a second. Music, Okay. And stop cutting here. Sorry. Uh, I had to. Hello, Tyler. Hello. Yeah, I'm back. I had to go uh, take care of something real quick. Yeah. So we then go through. Yeah. So where did we leave off? You're talking about the intro. Talking about, I think we're talking about the sound quality. Oh, yes. That's and, um, right. The version I watched on YouTube, uh, it just like mutes every couple of seconds. Not not every couple of seconds, like every couple of minutes. So like um they'd be like delivering exposition and then all of a sudden it gets like 
absolutely silent for a couple seconds and then it, the sound comes back and i don't know if that's universal over all versions of the film or if that was just because i was watching it from somebody who uploaded it to their own youtube channel yeah but no apparently i've heard like even people on the dvd that the audio is an issue yeah it's 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 fucking atrocious yeah <laughs> so um you know we have a pretty the, the, the gang is back we have and this time though they're all pretend to be fantasy characters and fairy tale characters on top of uh being their normal selves right yes really obnoxiously um yeah the, the, this film i specifically had a gripe with because i don't really have like in a in, like um an attraction to the fantasy genre so like they're they're constantly making references to stuff that i don't get because <laughs> i haven't really like uh, consumed a lot of fantasy stuff mm-hmm. so every time they make like a, a reference to a movie that i haven't seen i like i cannot relate to it at, at all yeah and they spend like 20 minutes introducing everybody in their costumes Mm, yeah, just like yeah uh-huh, i am i am this character from this thing and i make a funny joke yeah and- like <laughs> so i'm just gonna go over like who i recognize so there was link from zelda indiana jones i think cinderella and snow white uh you know you had two different princess bride references with being uh you know the now and new the newly introduced todd in the shadows Yes, welcome to the cast. I'm yeah. sorry you had to deal with this. Uh. <laughs> he says one line that made me laugh because part of me thinks that like it wasn't a line; it was just something he was thinking out loud, and they caught him on mic. What was um, it? I I don't even like these people. I hate these people. <laughs> <laughs> um, the He's... French guy is Conan the Barbarian, the wizard from that like famous movie series and like books. Gandalf, I think, is his name. Yeah, I never heard of him. And then I don't know any, but oh, and Harry Potter. Well, you had Andrew play. Joe as Enigo Montoya. Yeah. And you killed sure. my mother, father. Whatever. Yeah. He makes that same joke like 80 times. Like every time Angry Joe shows up on screen, it's literally the, he, it's the same joke where he says somebody that's somebody else, and then he they, they correct him to father, and he's just like, whatever. Every time it ha- like literally, I can't even exaggerate it. <laughs> it might have been funny the first time. I didn't laugh, but like I can see somebody laughing, and then yeah. they make the same joke ev- over and over and over yeah. again. And you know what? I would like it would be funny if like they had you introduced him as like oh who are you supposed to be in the event later on in the movie you do that famous line or even if they didn't do that like if it was a different movie smart movie they'd have him like dress up like that and then say i am angry joe you kill my fu- my mother prepare to die at like the climax and then you did that that would be funny yeah it's too bad it's it's, it's- yeah they they can't be it's like physically impossible for almost anything in this movie to be funny because one they don't know when to end a joke and two they don't know how to properly pay off a joke yeah i've never seen them and also like 90 percent of the jokes are just quoting other movies 
Which gets worse than Tiboli Flea. Yeah, Tiboli Flea, like, just straight up mimics other movies. <laughs> just rip shit off. <laughs> at least, at least, like, like, at least Suburban Nights has an original plot-ish. Like, there is a story there. It story least doesn't mean jack shit. They didn't, like, ju- like, even though, like, their characters are dressed up like people, they didn't just rip the characters straight out of other me- media. And then did the excuse of, oh, well, it's this device that we say is the reason everything's bad. So, I don't know. It's. Yeah. Like, yeah. There, there is an attempt at, like, a plot. However yeah. meaningless the plot is, they, like, have an, one event that leads to another that leads to another. And it's, like. It's it's pretty original, despite the fact that all of the characters are ripped off from other properties and they constantly reference other properties. It's cliche as hell, but at least they tried. Yeah. So um, then moving onwards to, uh, yeah, God, and then like you know after that we get like the d- jokes about Juario's package which <sighs> is a sentence I hate I just said and I hate myself for like saying that but uh, do you want to explain some of the Juario because I feel like this might be because they make jokes about it in these movies so Mr. Juario aka Justin Carmichael mm-hmm. is a so and great. wait I want to make a, a timeline Juario is dead as of now yeah he died in 2014 yeah and then in 2018 is when everything came to light yes uh so in hindsight everything that has uh mr carmichael in it is incredibly cringe um i'm sure if you watched it in 2011 you wouldn't like no, I mean the jokes are unsettling, but like never as unsettling as they would be now. But I don't really want to get into the whole Jew Wario thing because it's quite frankly pretty dark and disturbing. It's really it's 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 very disturbing, and um, the man is dead too. So like, I don't really have anything to. Yeah, I mean we can't say in. Uh, in some way, it's kind of like a damn him for doing awful things and never really owning. It. Like, I hate. I know I sound like a fucking sadistic psychopath when I say something like that, but like I, you know, he he kind of didn't pay for what he did. I guess is the way to go about it. Right. He but. he did, he. What he did was awful, but also like, it sucks. He I guess you know he killed himself and clearly had other problems going on, but. Yeah, so I, I I don't really want to uh speak on yeah um, this man's behalf, but, but also you know he's very prominently featured. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I'm gonna say we but we came to learn it. He was kind of straight up a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, like the allegations against him, which I I'll say that allegedly against him put him in a very bad light in this movie, and they made him allegedly seem like somewhat of a monster. So. 
because what happens in this movie is like every single all of the three women that exist in this <laughs> movie are all over him and it's creepy yeah. um, and he's playing he, he's playing uh david bowie's character from labyrinth which i've never seen labyrinth i haven't either so every single reference to that movie is completely going over my head <laughs> another instance 90 percent of these references went over my head because most of them were like obscure movie like i've never seen dungeons and dragons the movie i know it's a bad movie but i've never seen it well, like no the, the thing is they expect you have to have seen the reviews of that movie <laughs> And they'll probably reference a joke that they made in the review of bad movie. So yeah. even if you haven't seen the movie, you've seen the joke that they made about the movie. But I haven't sat there and like, I didn't fucking binge watch <laughs> their entire catalog. And I don't know every single person in this movie. So every single attempt of humor that's a reference to their own content is lost. Like, I don't know how funny it would be either way, but still. Um, it, it, it's like um, it's like if you got a child to... Um, this is the best way I can describe what it feels to watch these movies. It was like reading a sixth grader's fan fiction. Yeah, like, get a... Ch- give a child a... Ca- a, um, a camera. Tell him to direct Avengers Endgame, but don't give him any of the previous films and then show it to somebody who hasn't seen any of the previous films. So you have this like culmination of all these content creators or or characters all coming together in this one film, but you don't have any of the context as to who these people are and why they're here. And it's all like so amateurishly put together and with no attempts at professional filmmaking. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how to say it. It is, I don't know, this, it, this was a masterclass in how not to do filmmaking. Yes. Um, I can't even remember, like, I'm, I'm struggling to remember, like, I literally watched this today. And I'm struggling. I, I finished launching it this morning and I can't, I cannot tell you what happened scene to scene. Um, now, was I also playing Kingdom Come Deliverance while watching it? Yeah. But anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> um, so there's, they have a map that they got from like a chain mail uh, that Doug received and he fools everybody into getting in on this uh fucking quest and they all head out and then there's like people in cloaks that show up and attack them and they have some really cringe fight scenes yeah that's all i remember from this <laughs> yeah I, honestly like, like it's like yeah basically because that's all that happens oh and also doug walker flashes us with his taint so oh my god there's a whole like two minute long exchange with him and the two of the other women in this film um where they're just like listen like i know you're not used to wearing a certain article of clothing and he just got his he's just man spreading with his nuts out (laughs) 
and they're just like trying to dance. They spend so long trying to dance around, like, um, like actually, you should probably do this a different way. I'm like, oh, I know, I this this hat is new to me, and it goes on for so long. And then Lindsay Ellis is just like, dude, your fucking nuts are out. <laughs> anyway, do you uh do you want do you care to hear some of the uh? Let's go to the uh, not so awesome document for about this movie. There's a lot more about this one than kick ass. And I, I, I want to talk about it because I feel like, you know, at first this was just going to be review of bad movies. But again, this is now, in my opinion, become a master's class in how not to do film right. from two film majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's I mean, let's let's just fucking do it. So Suburban Nights first Doug style directing is to tell us to do it more like him. If we pointed out we wouldn't deliver a line like that, he'd tell us, well, try it both ways. So he could let take the so he used the take of us doing it his way. We'll try it both ways became a running joke. It was just then the next thing it was just embarrassing when people were filming in the park. And Doug would start giving directions to passersby, like which imagine the horrifying nature of like you're like walking outside, and suddenly like you just look to see that like the fucking nostalgia critic or just the bunch of nerds in costume are like yelling at you to do shit while walking by his movie. See the the scene I'm specifically thinking of when this is happening. The playground. The playground. They're all fucking fighting each other with plastic swords and shit in a public playground. Um, and I'm just like, dude, what if like a parent just like took that? Like that happens in the movie as a joke, obviously scripted. But like, yeah. I can totally see that actually happening. It's like, hey kids, let's go, let's go to the playground. And then you have like the fucking yeah. <laughs> channel awesome people all dressed up in uh, fantasy costumes, beating each other up yeah. with plastic toys on the playground. Yep. Anyway, so the next one is, as it was done with Kikassi, they only had one camera with Rob at the helm, the larger production, and with two teams. So Lindsay and Ed have have had Ed have a closed door meeting with them to convince them to use more than one camera. They borrowed Todd's, you know, Todd in the shadows, and one of my SD cards, Ed, who was there to play a cloak, is recruited to cameraman. And Liz Lewis's guest is asked to play cloak. Dude, imagine getting, imagine uh, being part of a production and one of your talent had, you have to take one of your talent's cameras. That I couldn't imagine doing that ever. Because of this, she never signed a contract. When filming a stunt with Orlando, her knee is bashed in, and and they course her into signing a contract that says they aren't liable. She doesn't want to do it because it would give them ownership of whatever she filmed there. Four people, four people total were injured during the movie, and no safety precautions were taken. Put in place, Liz and Bennett were both hurt during stunts with Orlando and Orlando himself landed on his neck wrong. This was included in the blooper reel. Eliza was taped to the wall in a cross position. And because of this, she was there for so long that she nearly passed out. This is, 
this is absolutely insane to me um, that they had her sign the liability form after the injury. The injury. Yeah. They're just like, oh shit, she didn't do it. Let's yeah. get her to let's don't let's not get her medical attention. Let's make her sign this form after yeah. the injury occurs. The weather was cold. Like people like Ben had pretty flimsy costumes, so the higher ups were worried about us. We had a meeting where they asked us if we wanted to make it an improvised mockumentary and shoot it indoors, but we unanimously voted to keep going. There was a sense of camaraderie there that was completely absent from To Boldly Flee. Yeah, (laughs) this is insane uh, to me. Yeah, I, I, I like, yeah, this is, I want to say it's the worst thing we've ever had to talk about on here because, like, we've had conversations in regards, like, experience dealing with people dealing with racism, anti Semitism, and other shitty things. But this is like one of the wor- like, worst things f- film wise we've had to talk about. Oh, absolutely. I don't like there, there are plenty of instances of cursed film productions. Um, but there none come to mind that were just like this half assed. Mm-hmm. Um, you ready for to talk about the last one? Like, just like also was supposed to mark the uh, end of the nostalgia critic. We're, we're missing the most important part in Suburban Nights. Oh, right, Matty's death. Um. <laughs> Matisse's death is supposed to be like an emotional moment Mm -hmm. but the film tells us we shouldn't have cared about this character at all throughout all of us like every time almost every time um Matisse was on screen before like the last bit of the movie like the film is telling us like this we don't want this guy here um and everybody's like neglecting him so like in the beginning we're like oh we're about to set off on the quest and Matisse's like hey uh can i come and he's like we need you for a special mission go find Lindsay ellis's uh contact lens and we're just like okay and then every time he shows up he's just like oh this guy and then he has a um an emotional moments in the climax and we're expected to care but Nobody else yeah. cared, but now we care because he's dead. <laughs> and, you know, as like one of the three people of color slash, you know, yeah, he's like one of the three people of color. They kill him. Uh, Todd in the shadows is given almost zero screen time. And their and their main villain the is the only is other. Villain. Yeah. How do you feel about this representation as the uh, only person of color on this podcast, Tyler? Yeah, that one of two people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's kind of uh embarrassing. And like I understand the context of Matisse's character a little bit because I had to look it up. So I'm like Matisse is this way because Captain Planner review, whatever. Uh but you, when you have such little representation, um, and then you treat your character like dirt and i'm like actually we don't want you here (laughs) all the time it's kind of upsetting (laughs) um 
And of course, the other one being the villain, which he did fine. I don't really care about the villain. It's whatever. All, his whole thing, he's just like pissed about technology in the 21st century or whatever. I don't care. He's he's just a whatever character. Todd was cool. I got no problem with Todd. No, I still watch his content. Yeah, Todd's cool. Uh, he's one of the he, he he he's one of the channel awesome creators that broke off and ended up doing really well for himself still after leaving. So I respect Todd. So, but overall, it's 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 so overwhelmingly white and masculine, and even the roles given to female characters are so cringe. Like you like you can tell that. Doug and Rob wrote them and they have no experience writing female characters. Yeah. Um, all the interactions with the female characters almost always have to do with some form of attraction or sexuality. Which only gets worse in the third movie. Right. Yeah. So you ready to talk about the, the, the third movie? I don't think I can. I don't think I'll ever be ready, so we might as well just get into it. So I want to, before we start, I want you to, to, to interview to let you in on a moment I had talking to my roommate who knows I've been doing this. He's like, "Hey, he's still watching all those bad movies. He finished them." Yeah, I'm like, "No, I'm only like two hours into the last movie." And goes, "What the fuck do you mean two hours in?" I said, "The movie's three and a half hours long," which you know, it's the same length as The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> And if you ask me which film I'd rather watch, <laughs> it I, is longer than Saving Private Ryan. It's almost as long as The Irishman. I would much rather I'd watch The Irishman three times over before I watched The Boldly Flee. Yeah, I'm not even that crazy about The Irishman, and I agree with you. I. <laughs> I love the Irishman. Yeah, it's actually it's a minute longer than the Irishman. Oh my god, it's longer than the Irishman. <laughs> I'll watch that movie like ten times over before I watch to boldly plea. Because, um, say what you want about the Irishman's length, at least it has content in it. Things least- happen. It has a cohesive story. There's characters that matter, and there's themes themes actually exist there's a point to the movie has a story it's trying to tell that's not existent yeah oh my god i'm I'm getting more mad than i thought i would yeah yeah saving private ryan like a movie i think as long as two hours and 40 49 minutes schindler's list is three hours and 15 minutes this movie's longer than all these things right but like even even those long movies you can make an argument whether or not the length is warranted or not. Like all these could have been shorter, but even with the length of those movies, there is actual, there's a point to their story. You have stakes, you have characters yeah. that mean something, you have a theme, you have a message that you're like, when, you, when you're asked like, what is your film about? It's like, of course you can go list off plot events and like, oh, it's about this guy who does this and then this. Mm-hmm. You can also summarize it into one sentence. Like, what does the story really mean? Um, and all of those movies have meaning to them. 
I can't tell you what the point of the Tavoldi flea is because really it's just fucking Doug Walker jerking himself off. The it's longer time. than the Godfather. It's longer than Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Longer than Seven Samurai, the original Seven Samurai. Dude, like all of these, all of these movies are absolute masterpieces. <laughs> um, Once upon a time in America, Gone with the Wind. Are they hard to watch? Sometimes, maybe, but there's actually like they're well loved for a reason um what to boldly flee literally only exists so doug can jerk himself off yeah um and yeah so I, let's get into it so the main plot of the movie is um the mainstream media movie industry is mad at doug because people don't want to watch his movies because he dares say they're bad and Which made me have the realization, like that's the re- that's why he thinks they want to take down his movies for the fair use stuff, right? It's not the fact that he just like used. You could watch clip. pretty much most of the movies he reviews in his early reviews without like basically like very little, like because he just would show clips. Like, um, the thing with Doug's like views, especially the earlier ones, is like. A lot of them are just like recapping the movie. Mm-hmm. So um in a lot of movies I just like I didn't watch because I just watched the video that he did. And I'm just like, all right, I get the point now. I don't need to watch the actual movie. Yeah. Uh, but of course there is a lot like YouTube's copyright system is a bunch of bullshit sometimes. Yeah, I mean we've um, we, we've had to deal with it because um we had some old podcast episodes like muted. Which, when you run a very audio-reliant form, uh, good. It's one of the reasons we stopped doing, like, intros that were, like, sound bites. So, right. yeah. So, yeah, like, I'm not saying that everything that was going on at the time wasn't a valid complaint. But um, his, his perception of what's actually going on um, is that they have this malicious plan to take down film reviewers is kind of funny <laughs> in a way yeah. not like he, not it's not like he like was intentionally making a joke it's just kind of sad <laughs> that this is his perception of the event so I, I also just quickly like while going through this reddit i learned something and this might mean something to me it might mean something to one of our listeners but um the amazing atheist was on the channel awesome oh yeah, and given your reaction, you know why that is incredibly cringe. Oh, uh, I, I vaguely, I'm vaguely familiar. Uh, I can't say I'm an expert on the Amazing Atheist, but yikes. Um... Yeah. So let's let's get into the uh, the plot of this movie. Yeah. Like God, this is gonna be a long episode. Um, so I, I, yeah, basically, I, I kind of said it though. Quotes. It's basically yeah. So like, nostalgic thinks Meti is still out there somewhere because he feels guilty about Meti's death. Um, Noah gets kidnapped. Uh, fucking Spoonie gets kidnapped by, uh, the film industry because you know he has Meti, which there's this plot hole that opens up. And the villains are Zod and the dude from Battlefield Earth. Which, if you haven't seen Superman 2 or Battlefield Earth, fuck you. Uh, you don't know what's going on. 
And also, like, kind of just not his properties, not his characters. Right. He just he just he just plays Zod like as him. He just he's just him. Doug is just himself as Zod. But like, it's not even a parody of Zod or anything like that. He's just playing Zod. And the same thing with Spoonie as uh, whatever the Battlefield Earth guy's name is. He's playing John Travolta's character from Battlefield Earth. And like, you you made a, like, I don't get it. I've never seen Battlefield Earth. I, uh, like, I, 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 have, I have, and I plan on making you watch it. I, I watched, I think I watched Doug's review of it like years I ago. I think I did too, but like I might make you watch that for this podcast. I don't want <laughs> <laughs> You will suffer at the hands of the pod. Um, <sighs> I will suffer. Yeah. Um, this was honestly like, this was so unpleasant. Like we need to do something much better next week. Like we need to review a movie we'd like. Watch a good movie. Yeah, uh, I'm working on that. I promise. We're, we're making the podcast promise that we'll watch good movies now. Yeah. Uh, the podcast promise is what got us into this shithole uh, in the first place, and it's gonna, it's what's going to get us out of it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, boy, where do we go? Like, I, can't, um, I cannot comprehend the chain of events that happened. Yeah, I, like, I, I watched this movie happened. like an hour ago, maybe, and I forget everything. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just talk about the problems with it. Um, one, the audio quality wasn't better. Yeah, like it's like slightly better than Suburban Nights, but like still yeah. bad. The mixing still was like the worst mixing I've ever seen. The visuals improved. Yeah. However, marginally better they yeah. are because they're still not good. Like there's some still instances of the camera just or, or, or like the subjects of just not being in focus yeah and like sometimes the camera quality is good but sometimes they switch to a shittier camera yeah i'm gonna like honestly i'm just gonna start going through the not because it's gonna take us a while to get through i want to get through the not so awesome documents about this movie okay i point to boldly flee as the tipping point between maybe they'll change and this is never going to get better completely different experience reading the script versus suburban nights this felt long self-indulgent sexist and mean Scenes that were just quoting other movies verbatim were embarrassing. The excessive scenes with Zod and Terrell, that's the name of the character, were infuriating and ate up time and it could have focused on the producers and not more of Doug's shtick. So yeah, basically like all the things we just said, like this is just like, you know, Doug masturbating to himself. Right. I never received a to boldly flee dvd neither did many of the fans who brought them because they messed up the orders and it was never fixed imagine that like you like you're you're like this movie enough you want to buy a fucking dvd and you didn't get it man imagine buying a dvd for fucking to boldly flee <laughs> yeah the cross the cross the crossovers to recoup costs were not required and during the boldly flee things were so absurdly oversketched that we were too exhausted slash annoyed to make them during a meeting uh mishad slash doug mike mishad you know great guy i say with sarcasm try and guilt us into making crossovers to cover costs such as effects Phelan was half of the effects team, so this was equivalent to ask of asking him to pay himself. We make it, we we make a stand and tell them no. Eventually, coming to agreement that we can make two crossovers and keep one. I threw Hold out on. the script. That's my fire alarm. 
that's okay. Um, I'm going to keep reading off stuff and giving my opinions on them. The scripts were given to 11th hour because Doug and Rob were, Oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'll have to edit this too. Okay. It's off. (laughs) Again, God wanting us to stop this review. (laughs) Anyway. So yeah, the scripts weren't given out to the 11th hour because Doug and Rob were fighting over it the whole time. We barely had time to read it. And most didn't. Which imagine being a fly on the wall of witnessing them fighting about that shit. Oh, I would have. I would love to hear that. I want, yeah. like, I, I want to hear about the, like the thought process behind the script. Yeah. Um, I have a theory that like everything that came up that they like every single that idea that they had went into the script. I couldn't imagine what was left on. Given that this is three and a half hours, I couldn't imagine what was left on the I don't, cutting room I don't, floor. I don't think anything was left on the cutting room floor. And they came up with this bullshit plot hole to excuse all their bad ideas. Because <laughs> everything that doesn't make sense can just be like, a uh, plot hole. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if anything was left. Um, but part of the longest part and, and the most difficult part of screenwriting is not the actual writing itself, but figuring out what to cut and how what's worth staying in your script and what's not. Um, yep. Um, you know, n- then here's another great one no one was informed that Doug was killing off the nostalgia critic. Most of us found out reading. Th- if we read the scripts, Todd and I found out earlier because Doug called us back and asked if they could conclude the love triangle storyline we'd set up in our videos and then mentioned it offhandedly. Um, yeah, basically, no people thought that their job, they all just got mass fired. They thought because they assumed if Doug's ending, that meant the end for Channel Awesome. Yeah, because he asserts himself into his position of so much self-importance in this movie, too, mm-hmm. that, like, everybody's just like, man, we wouldn't be here without you. You're our biggest inspiration. I mean, like, it's, you can tell, like, he definitely yeah. wrote this himself. And, and it's so you know, obvious. The point, I, I can go on this document, you know what, like, I, 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 I'd say I can go on, but, like, it's just more and more of this. It's more self-indulgence, un- insensitive jokes, creepy jokes, like, downright, like, making fun of rape and shit. And, like, just weird-ass shit. And the context of what we know now, and as filmmakers, this is like something I have to talk about. No matter the scale of the film, you have to work with a certain dignity. And it is insanely insensitive and just insanely like not caring, careless to like make a film like this. Right. Um, and, you know, by, by the time of the Boldly Fleet, they, sh- they had a budget. These shouldn't be problems. And also, like, I don't understand why they didn't do like a, a crowdfunding campaign or anything like that, because they clearly could have done that with the resources they had available well, to them. And then they did do crowdfunding for their uh, game show that they were going to launch, that they did launch after the nostalgia credit ended. And there is like almost $100,000 and it sucked. Yeah. 
I mean, I, we're, we're pretty much at the end here, but I don't know where we go next. Like, right. uh, like, like, and you know, it's, I, I, the thing for best it's great. We'll probably never get any of these other movies. Um, you know, I think Doug Walker has faded into obscurity. I don't think anybody who watches his stuff even really cares about him that much. I don't think anybody cares. I mean, there might have been time where in film school you could bring him up, but like I think we're the last of that generation that probably knows the, notices him. I think his I think his popularity is really like, and it seems like it's the target audience. It's just it's really just like among like middle school high school kids yeah and you know there's nothing wrong with making lowbrow content but also it's just like pretending that you're bigger you know him pretending the reason that like these movie studios don't like them is because his reviews hurt them is not true and like again the youtube you know policy is harsh but at the same time i'm not gonna pretend that me saying like i don't think doug walker's shit is bad and like if i were to play half the movie in this podcast review I would know that it was more related to me playing half his fucking movie in my podcast review. Right. And like, he still gets, I, I think now, like the, the real appeal now and what it's always been is just like, oh, he makes it like really easy jokes and like he says curse words sometimes. And that's really appealing to a lot of young folks. And that's why he still gets a lot of, uh, um views on his videos like his his reviews still get met a lot of uh views but like nobody takes him seriously anymore um yeah. i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure there's kids out there like 14 year olds 13 year olds maybe even a little older maybe a little younger that find his stuff hilarious because i did but yeah but then then you you grew up though like that's the thing and like i think that's the thing that i want to insist about doug walker he's never grown up and he never will he's quite frankly he's not that good of a critic he's not that good of a filmmaker clearly he's incredibly self-indulgent i don't know what any skills that this man has presented in the arts through these films because i can't even say he's a good person given the treatment of people on set right and you know what? I there are filmmakers I like do not like any of their movies whatsoever, but I respect them as people because they are good, decent people. I don't like any of Zack Snyder's movie, but I think he's a very good person. And I acknowledge that my dislike of his movies comes down to taste. But he's also a very talented person, too. Yeah. Like I, I can't say he's a talentless hack. That's not true. That's not true because at least he has like a talent for visual flair because all of his movies look pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. I th- like I th- like even in a movie like Batman v Superman, which I really dislike. There's scenes in it that I'm like, this is cool as hell. <laughs> um, like there's one Batman scene in that movie that everybody knows where he barges into like I think it was like a warehouse or something and kicks everyone's ass in there. That movie, that scene's awesome. Uh, I like it. Yeah. So but, uh, you know. You know, writing decisions I don't always agree with, but like yeah, we've been going on for a while. What uh what are your final thoughts on this? I kind of just gave mine, so yeah. Uh so one of the things is just like why are we talking about this? One, because we made a commitment and we couldn't back out, but two is uh really getting to the core of why why does it matter that we talk about this? Because it's really an example of what not to do. Yeah, <laughs> on a film set. Well, yeah. Um, 
we spent a lot of time talking about like all the behind the scenes stuff more so than the movies because like what happens in the movies doesn't really actually matter it's more about how do you treat people with decency on a set how do you manage a production yeah and you know we it's just quite frankly disgusting to me that as um filmmakers that we student filmmakers we were held to a higher standard than this guy believed he was i don't believe he i don't believe he shouldn't be held to a higher standard but he absolutely should have been um he didn't have he wasn't held to any standard he could have just done what he wanted because he you know he's the critic (laughs) yeah um his show his world and um yeah well, uh, on that note, this has been The Outliers. I've been your host, McLean, and with me, as always. It's me, Tyler. And, and uh, we'll see you next week with a regular scheduled content, and we're going to figure out a good movie to watch to count yeah, and follow this up. I'm feeling like a million times lighter that this burden has been lifted off. My, my stomach feels great now. It's weird. I like came into this with stomach pain, and now Let's I feel see, great. All I, we needed to do was just rant it out of us, and now it's mm-hmm. gone, and I can move on with my life feeling like a million bucks that I don't have to talk about the nostalgia yeah. critic anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see, I'll see you next week, uh, good friend. Anyway, that's been all for now.